Grab your notes, share a pen if you need to, open up to uh, worship session number one. Uh, We always say that we write down things that are important, and so when we're talking about God's word, that's important. So I want to invite you, no matter how old you are, whether you're a guy or a girl, write something down. Uh, Listen to what's going on and really pay attention. Um, And if it comes up on the screen, it's probably extra important, so you you could write that down. Um, And so I want to kind of ask the question, and the video kind of talked about it. I want us to just kind of think, think for a second. Think about yourself. Think about kind of, kind of where you're at. You might be 12 and in sixth or seventh grade. You might be uh, 18 and about to go to college. I just want you to kind of think about where you're at. And I just want you to kind of reflect on who you are. And I think, I think sometimes, um, sometimes we become kind of disappointed with ourselves. Not, not, no, not so much like what we've done, like, oh, I really messed up or I really screwed up on that test or I shouldn't have said that. Not so much what we did, like a specific action. But a lot of times we, we can become disappointed with just who we are. Like, like you, you react in a certain way or you notice certain things about yourself and you're just like, ah, I really wish. Like in your, in your heart of hearts, you wouldn't tell somebody, you would, but you would tell yourself. Like you, you would think about it yourself. Like I just really wish I wasn't that way. I wish I didn't do that all the time. I wish I didn't struggle so much with that. I wish that wasn't such a problem for me. And then I think, I think sometimes um, um, we, can, we can get to the point where we, we realize that we have shortcomings and we have these things that are, that are wrong with us, um, and it doesn't even really bother us that much. And then, and then maybe we're disappointed that we're not disappointed. We're disappointed that we don't care more. Like, like you stop caring about doing a certain thing or not doing a certain thing, and you get to the point where it's like, gosh, like, I wish I cared more. Like, I wish I actually cared to do that. I wish I actually um, cared to be that way or not be that way. And, and sometimes we just kind of become disappointed with ourselves. It happens to me all the time. Last Sunday, last Sunday, getting ready for Epworth, Pastor Ryan, on the way to church. And I'm like, oh, yeah, we're, it's going to be great. And, and, and as we're driving... Um, um, I realize uh, we're going to be late again. We're going to be late to church. And, and I'm like, gosh. And so I start getting irritated. And, and, and it just kind of wells up in my heart. And then I realized there was something I had to give to somebody. And I, and I had tried to think. Like I'd been sitting there in the garage thinking, what do I have to get? What do I have to get? What do I have to get? I guess I got everything. And right as I'm driving down Thursday, I'm like, gosh, that's what I needed to bring. That's so annoying. I hate when I forget things like that. So I start getting more irritated. And then Sinclair starts to cry in the back seat. And I'm like, oh gosh, like we're not even gonna be in worship very much because she's just already crying on the way to church. And I just start getting even more irritated. And then I'm just like getting out of the car, like, oh gosh, like grabbing all my stuff and like, come on, Karen, let's go into church. And like, I'm all like angry. And then I get into church and the worship's playing and Ben's up there like uh, strumming the guitar. And I'm just like, gosh, what's wrong with me? Like, we're at church, like, we're coming to hear about God, and, and I'm coming in here, like, with an axe to grind, like, all angry. Like, what's wrong with me? And I get kind of disappointed with myself. Maybe I'll, I'll preach a sermon on a Sunday night or a Sunday morning, and, and then I go home, and I do something just extremely selfish. And I just sit there, and I'm like, why can't I even do what I say? Like, what's wrong with me? Like, why is this happening Maybe I feel called to talk to somebody like at the gym and I feel like God's just saying, hey, go to that person. Not necessarily to preach to them or lead them to Christ, but just go talk to that person and I'll just walk away. No, I ain't got time, God. I ain't got time for you. Let me, let me just, I gotta get home. I gotta get home. I gotta go to work. I gotta go, I gotta go do ministry instead of listen to God. Like, like what's wrong with that? Like what's wrong with me? Like why 
Do I do those things? When, when Sinclair, she, okay, she's two, so she's like four months old now, exactly four months old Sunday. And she was like two weeks old. We had just brought her home. And she's like, God has blessed us with like the best baby. Like she doesn't cry. She sleeps through the night. She like, when, when she has gas, she doesn't just scream about it. She just lets it go like her daddy. Like that's just what she does. And she's a great girl. Like I love her so much. And she's such a good baby. I know like the next kid I have is going to be a hellion. Like they're going to be running around like, ah, like just like destroying church services and like messing up everything. And I just know that's what's going to happen because we got so lucky with the first one. But, but like she's two weeks old. She's at our house. She's, uh, she's in her room. I, it's like 2 a.m. I, I kind of rock her to sleep. I put her down. She's not going to sleep. And, and I, I go lay down. And it's one of those things where like literally I'm just about to fall asleep. And I hear the cries. And I'm like, oh, like that's so annoying. And I literally like I get up and, sing, and Karen's like asleep. And, and like I'm like, like in this growling voice. Gosh, Sinclair, you are so freaking annoying. And I'm like stomp into the room and, and I go in there and like whip her out of the, no, it wasn't mean. Like I didn't do that, come on. But I like, but I'm like all like, ah, but then I'm real gentle, but I'm like mad in my mind, like grin, grimacing. And then I go and I change her diaper and all that kind of stuff. I rock her to sleep and put her back down. And then I, I go get in bed and I'm like, what is wrong with me? Like, why am I the way that I am? Like, why would I just do that? And like, like, the next time I, I, I just, like, had to go back in there the next time she woke up, and I just had to be like, I, like, I just said it to her. I'm like, I'm sorry. Daddy is bad. Like, Daddy is disappointed in himself. He, 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 he screwed up. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have been that way with you. Like, you just came out of a human being. You can't even do anything. Like, you just like, wee! I'm like, I just came out, and I'm just, like, looking around, and, like, like and I'm yelling at you because you're crying. Like, what's wrong with me? Like, what's going on in my heart? And, and I think... I think we just kind of experience this disappointment with ourselves. We, we kind of experience that, that maybe we have a, a problem. In, in, in 1970, there was this, uh, um, we used to go to the moon. And in 1969, that was the first time we went to the moon. And in 1970, they were sending this, this expedition to the moon. And they were going to go like kind of around the far side of the moon and go to the specific uh, uh, place. And, and they launched from Kennedy Space Center in Florida, and, um, and they're on their way out there, and they're closer actually to the moon than they are to Earth, and so that's like a scary place. Like, you got like five people like in this metal, hunk, hunk of metal, like in the middle of space. Like, that's crazy. Like, they, like, the moon, they can see the moon better than they can see Earth. Like, they're just, like, that must be incredible. Like, there's no gravity, and it's, it's just crazy. And there's this explosion, and they realize that some tanks have blown and they've, they've lost power in certain parts of the ship and like all, all this like technical stuff's going on. Um, and uh, and, and, and this, 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 this astronaut kind of utters this famous phrase and it was, it was used in a 1995 movie called Apollo 13. And he says, um, Houston, we have a problem. Right, it was before you were even born and you already know. The movie was before you were born and you still know. Houston, we have a problem. They had that moment where they realized we have a problem. We have a problem, and, and there is something wrong. There's something that we need to do. And, and, and when we're disappointed in ourselves, and when we do those things, when we react in certain ways, and, and we're just like, why did I do that? It, it's, it's a sign. It's an evidence that we have a problem. And the truth is, we have a sin problem. We have a sin problem. We have a sin problem. We talked about this recently, but sin is simply anything that, that separates you from God, anything that is unloving, anything that, that is not um, of God, that God would not have you do. 
We have a sin problem. It's any time we do something selfish, any time we do something that we shouldn't have done, any time we mess up and we're like, oh, like, why did I do that again? We have a sin problem. And it's not just doing bad things. A lot of times we think, well, I don't do that much bad. Like, like you know, like I don't do drugs and I don't, like, I don't cuss and all this stuff. And we, and we, and we think like these, these, these simple things, like, oh, it's just all about doing things that are bad. But it's not just about doing things that are bad. It's actually also when we don't do things that are good. In James chapter 4, verse 17, uh, he, he writes this verse. This was the brother of Jesus. He writes this verse, and essentially what he says is, when you do not do something that is good and you know you should do it, that is sin. So it's not just when we do something bad, but it's when we don't do something good. And how many people know, like, there are lots of times where we don't do something good, where we know we should give and we take where we know we should love, but we hate, when we know we should be patient, but we're impatient. We do it all of the time. And Romans 3.23 talks about it. Romans 3.23, and it's a famous verse. Many of you have memorized it. It says this, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And sometimes we listen to that and we're like, oh, yeah, but I'm not that bad. I'm, I'm okay. I, I, it, it's not that bad. But we love to lie to ourselves. We love to think we are better than we are. This, this word for sin is a, is a Greek word, um, hamartia, hamartia, and it's an archery term. It was used if someone was to be shooting a bow and arrow and shooting at a target. And if they were to miss the mark, they would use this word. And so, so sometimes we think sin and we think do bad things. We're like, oh, I don't do that many bad things. And we just think that verse doesn't apply to me. But the truth is, the truth is, The writer is saying, if you have missed the mark at all, you have fallen short of God's glory. And in fact, the target, we may say, well, what's the target? If we're shooting a bow and arrow, what are we trying to hit? What we're trying to hit is God's glory. It says, for all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. What is God's glory? What is God's glory? We've we've talked about this recently as well. God's glory is his holiness. It's It's his perfectness. It's his blamelessness. It's the thing that sets him apart from all other creatures, all other things, all other entities, and all of creation. His holiness. He is set apart from everything. So what we're aiming at is to be holy. And we know we can't measure up. We know we have missed that. And it's not just like a little miss. It's not like there's a bullseye and we just were, we're just outside of it. Like we're way, way over here. We, we missed the target completely. And by that definition, no one is innocent. And if we're honest, if we're honest, we know this is true. Like, look around. You, you don't really, I, I don't love the news. I don't watch the news. But, but if you're on Twitter, you're on any kind of social media, you just see. We see the shootings. We see the addictions. We see the people that, that are cheating on people. We see the people, that, that the families that are falling apart. We see war. We see uh, people killing other people. We see people stealing from other people. Like, like, things aren't what they should be, are they? Like, we see it all around us. Even just in your school, you can see the effects of people doing the wrong thing, of being sinful, of being selfish, of being prideful, of being uh, hateful or, 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 or self-centered, not caring about other people. We see the effects of this all around. We see it in racism. We see it in sexism. We see it just in, all over the world. 
And we know, we know, even if we like to say, well, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. We know we're really not that good. We know we have a sin problem. And there's a scripture, if you have your Bible, Romans 7, Romans chapter 7, verses 15 through 24. And Paul's writing, and he's, he's essentially talking about this problem. He's going to express these verses where he just says, I am just disappointed in myself. That's essentially what he's saying. He's like, I have a problem, and I don't know what to do about it. So that's what, that's what Paul is going to write about. So we're going to open up to Romans chapter 7, Verses 15 through 24. Verses 15 through 24. So Paul's writing. And you're going to think, this guy's like a psychopath. Like he's, he's insane. Like he's going back and forth. But this man was, was far from a psychopath. This man was, was incredibly smart, incredibly gifted at speaking and writing, and, and, and had relationships with people all over the world, was a great leader. He was far from insane. But he had this battle going on inside of him. And here's what he says. And, and as you read this, you're going to, I think you're going to notice that what he's saying is very similar to what you feel in your heart. And keep in mind, this is written 2,000 years ago. And yet the things he felt at that time, we still feel today. Here's what he says. I do not understand what I do. What an opening line. I don't understand what I do. This word for understand um, can also be uh, translated as approve of. He's like, I don't approve of what I do. Basically, he's saying, I mess up all the time. Like, I don't like what I do. I don't think it's right. I don't understand it. I don't know why I do it. He's going to continue um, uh, repeating himself over and over and over again. He says this, for what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. You ever felt like that before? Like, I want to do this, but I keep messing up. I don't want to do this, but I just keep doing it. Verse 16. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. What he's saying is, I agree that um, I have broken the law and that I need a law. I need rules. As it is, in verse 17, as it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know, I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is in my sinful nature, in the things that, that, that I do wrong. For I have the desire to do what is good. Keep in mind, this guy was a Jesus follower. He wanted to do the right thing. He had Jesus living in him. I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. Listen to that. Like, listen to this great man saying this, that this, this great pastor, this great preacher, he says, I want to do what is good, but I can't do it. I can't carry it out. See, he has good intentions, but he just doesn't follow through. He's disappointed in himself. He's disappointed in himself. Four, I do not do the good I want to do. And you're going to think, he's repeating himself. Yeah, he is. And it's because he just doesn't get it. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Like imagine how frustrated he is as he writes this. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. Now, he's not saying that like it's not me. He's just saying like I have this sin in me that makes me do this. It's part of who I am, and I'm just continuing to do it. So he says, I find this law at work, this, this principle at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. 
although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. He's kind of describing that, that, that idea of like when we say we have like an angel on one shoulder and a demon on the other and the angel's saying, oh, you should do this. Come on, like, oh, come on, come on, come on. And then the demon's like, no, 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 like you, you should do this. You should do this. You should do this. And he's saying like, man, I know what I want to do, but evil is like right there next to me. He says, for in my inner being, in my soul, in my heart, I delight in God's law. Like, I I really actually want to follow him. And many of you have felt this way. Like, I want to do what's right. But, 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 I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. You know, he, he's kind of making this point, like, like, yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I follow, follow God, but, like, like, I still am struggling with this, with this sin. My, my eternity has been changed. I've been forgiven, but, like, I'm still struggling with this sin. And think about it. Like, we don't even do what we think we should do. Like, we all have these rules in our mind. Right? Like that we think this is right, this is wrong. This is what people should do. This is what people should not do. And you look at your friends and you're like, man, I can't believe they did that. I can't believe they did that. I can't believe they did that. I would never do that. And then what do we do? We go do it. We don't even do what we think we should do. So how do we expect everybody else to do what we think they should do? Or what they think they should do? How many times have you gotten into a fight or gotten mad at someone, a friend, a sister, because they gossiped about you? Because they said something that they should not have said to other people. And we say, man, you should never do that. I can't believe you went behind me. You, you stabbed me in the back, blah, 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 blah. And then two weeks later, and we're at school, and someone brings something up. Oh, guess what I heard? And right away, we're just right back into it. And we're doing the thing we just said other people shouldn't do. Why do we do that? How many times have you gotten mad at someone for being selfish? I can't believe they're late. I can't believe they didn't follow through. I can't believe they, 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 they wanted to do that for themselves. I can't believe they didn't come through for me. I can't believe they could be so selfish. And then two hours later, we go home, and we just do something so incredibly selfish. Like, why, why is it that we can believe something in our hearts and not even do it ourselves? And this is what he closes with in verse 24. This is his Climactic conclusion, what a wretched man I am, exclamation point. What a wreck I am. Like, I am am a total wreck. Like, I'm irredeemable. I can't figure it out. He finishes 24 with this. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? In the, in the program, Alcoholics Anonymous or any kind of addicts program, there's this kind of 12-step program. And the first, the first step essentially says this, that you must admit you have a problem. If you want to deal with any problem, you must admit that you have a problem. Each of us has to admit we have a problem. We have to admit we have a sin problem. If you're a sixth grade boy, if you're an 11th grade girl, if you're a ninth grade girl, like it doesn't matter. Everything in between. If you're 37 years old, if you're 57 years old, if you're 88 years old, you have to admit you have a problem. Because we can't move forward or address the problem if we pretend it's all okay. Imagine 
Imagine you were, you were, you were I don't know, like um, riding a bicycle and you fell off and you had this, this broken leg. And I'm not talking about just like, a, oh, like I fractured it and I'm just going to kind of like limp my way and put an air cast on it and go to the doctor and all that kind of stuff. I'm talking about like broken in half, like compound fracture, the bone sticking out, okay? Imagine that. And you look down and all your friends are like, oh, like they're, they're like puking and they're like, this is disgusting. Like what is going on? And you're like, and you're like panicking, like there's tears coming down your face and then you just like bite your lip and you're like, no, nah, it's okay, I'm good, I'm good. And you start limping away, you start limping away and like it's just blowing up, like swelling, there's blood running everywhere, like imagine this. And then you go home and you're like, if I just clean it up maybe. Let me, let me just clean it up. So, so you, you take a shower and you, and you kind of you get fresh and you're like, okay, I feel a little bit better. But you take some painkillers and you're like, okay, I, I'm better now. I'm better now. And then you're walking around and it's starting to just turn all kinds of different colors. It's starting to smell. It's starting to get infected. And like people are looking at you like, like, like oh my gosh, you've got to go to the hospital. You're like, what? no, no, I just sprained it no big deal. I'm okay. And you're like trying to, you got like a cane out. You're like 15 walking with a cane and like you're like going to school and people are like, what's wrong with you? Like you're messed up. Like you've got to fix this problem. If you just pretend it's not there, does it make it not there? Does it make it like it's better? No, no, because if we have a problem and we don't deal with that problem, we don't admit that there is a problem. Guess what happens? It starts to get worse. It starts to get even sicker and even more powerful. And we can't deal with it any longer. See, we have this sin problem. And this is something I really want you to know. Because I know we all come from, from different backgrounds. We have this sin problem whether we are Christians or not. Let me explain. Let me explain. We have this problem whether we are Christians or not. Because Paul was a Christian. And he was writing this as a Christian. He had Jesus in his heart. He, he was saved, but he said, I still have this sin problem. I still mess up all of the time, and I'm trying to change. I'm trying to change it, and I, I, I just can't figure it out sometimes. See, if you're a Christian, yes, you've been forgiven. Yes, you've been given grace. You have a new identity. You're, you're going to go to heaven and spend eternity with God, but you're still going to spend the rest of your life dealing with sin. It's just the truth. I'm going to give you two big church words, and we're going to define them for you, so, so, so bear with me. The first word is justification. The first word is justification. It is a one-time work of God which clears us of our sin before God through Jesus' death and resurrection. Not through ourselves, not, not because of something we did, but because of Jesus. It's this one-time work of God. When we give our lives to Christ, you raise your hand at church, and you say, I want to give my life over to Christ. I want to follow Jesus. I want to surrender myself to him. And it only needs to happen one time, and we are completely innocent before God because of Jesus. This is justification. But then there's another church word, and it's called sanctification. Sanctification. This is the process of becoming like Jesus. And it starts when we're justified. It starts when we raise our hand and we give our lives over to Christ. But it's not complete until we enter heaven. So you could be a 98-year-old woman or man. You're sitting on your deathbed. You've been a Christian for 80 years. You've been learning it. You know, you know the Bible backwards and forwards, but you are still sinful until you enter into eternity. The Bible says there is no sin. There is no evil. There are no tears. There is no pain. But until that moment, sin's right there next to you. Now, that's the issue 
for the Christian. And the issue for, for the non-Christian, honestly, is, is even more dire. See, because they haven't begun to deal with the issue. That they haven't begun to deal with the sin. They haven't been justified yet. And they don't have that, that power of God working in them to deal with that sin. And so they, too, are caught up in sin. They haven't begun the sanctification process. See, see, we all have to deal with it. We all have to live life and deal with this sin issue. And, and I'm sure you think, Man, that seems pretty hopeless. Man, I paid $175 for this, for okay food, really crappy cabins. Like, really, this is what I, now I just come in here and some guy just gets up there and tells me I got a problem and it's like a broken leg. Like, that's, that's what I paid $175 for. It seems pretty hopeless, doesn't it? It seems pretty sad. But, but what if I told you that it wasn't hopeless? What if I told you that as a non-Christian or a Christian, that because of things that God can do in you this weekend, that you could begin to change. That no matter where you are right now, you could be better. You could be different. See, the truth is, there is hope. You can be transformed. You can be transformed. If you came in here believing Jesus for the last 10 years, if you came in here not even believing in God, you can be transformed. If you came in here as an adult that's a life group leader and you're leading other students, you can be transformed. If you came in here as a sixth grader, you can be transformed. I can be transformed. We all have this hope. And in Romans 12 too, we just turn over a couple pages, same writer, just a little bit later, he has this famous verse about transformation. Many of you have heard it. He says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world to the way of this world. Just think about it. He's like, don't, man, you don't have to be disappointed with yourself all the time. You don't have to constantly think, why am I the way that I am? You don't have to be that way. You don't have to conform to the pattern of this world, but, but, but be transformed. Everybody say transformed. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. This word transformed is a, is a Greek word, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try not to butcher it, but metamorpho, metamorpho, and it is a very similar word to a, to a word that we know as metamorphosis. We've all heard it, and, and where do we think of metamorphosis? What's the thing we think about? A butterfly or a tadpole, right? So when a, a caterpillar... It's this little grubby, nasty thing. It, it, it wraps itself in this, this dirty, like leaf stick looking thing called a cocoon. And, and weeks later, however long later, I don't know how long it is. It's been a while, but, um, but like whenever it, it bursts out, all of a sudden it has wings. Like imagine this, like who would come up with this? This, this, this creature that can come out and just be something different. But that is what this word transformed is about. It, 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 you hear transform, you're just like, oh, okay, great, I'm going to be transformed. I want you to think about a caterpillar to a butterfly. That kind of transformation. Like an actual change of your form. 
to go from that to this beautiful creature that comes out and can all of a sudden fly. Like, imagine that. Imagine, like, you're just this little bug, like, crawling around on sticks and, like, birds are trying to eat you and all that kind of stuff. And now, all of a sudden, you're flying around. You've got these multicolored wings that are, like, twice as big as you. And you're just all, like, imagine that. Imagine that kind of transformation. And here's the hope. Here's the hope. If you came here and you're a Christian, if you came here and you know Jesus as your Savior, I want to give you the hope. Your life here on earth, here on earth, can match the transformation that's happened in your soul. Your life, your day-to-day life can be and look like the way your soul is. You can be more like Jesus right now, here on earth. You can bring a little bit of heaven down to earth. You don't just have to give up. A lot of people are just like, ah, when I die, I'll be better. You don't have to just give up and say, man, I can't wait till I die to become more like Jesus. You can start being like Jesus now. You can live a life that's like Jesus now, that that, that is free from many of the the downfalls and the pitfalls of sin. And to the non-Christian, to the person who comes here, I'm like, "Ah, I don't know what I believe. The the songs are weird. This whole deal is weird. I'm I'm not really sure if I'm buying into this. If you're not sure what you believe, I want you to know there is another way than the way that the world will give you. There's more than what meets the eye. There's more than the stuff that makes us happy here on earth. There's more than what magazines and television and the internet and social media talk about. There's more than that. There's more than that. God can change your eternity, but not just your eternity. God can change your life on earth. He can change your relationships, the way you think, the way you see, the way you walk, the way you talk. He can change it all. You can find satisfaction in him. You can find peace in him. You can find contentedness in him. You can find your meaning in him. Some of you are like, man, I don't even know why I'm on on earth. I hate myself. And I hate who I am. I hate what I look like. I hate what I see in the mirror. I hate who I am at school. I hate all of that. You can find a life where you know you have a purpose, where you know you have a reason, where you know that you have a meaning for your life. You can be transformed. The news is not all bad. The news is actually quite good. There is hope. And you can be transformed. Tomorrow, as we have both sessions, our morning session and our our evening session, we're going to look at the the wrong way or or maybe the earthly way of transformation, what we try to do with transformation. And we're going to look at God's way. We're going to look at what God says about transformation. And I think tomorrow there are some things that are going to happen in your heart as you hear about the wrong way and the right way that are going to change you. Whether you came in here following Jesus or not, they're going to change you. You, and I pray that you would open your heart to that. That you would just realize, I'm here. I might as well listen to it. I might as well listen to what God has to say. I might as well read the scripture. I might as well listen to this guy on stage. I might as well uh, listen to this band. I might as well go all in on it this weekend. We're going to look the right way and the wrong way to be transformed. Let me pray over you guys. And then we're going to close in worship. Heavenly Father, Lord, we're thankful that we're here. We're thankful that um, you love us. We're thankful that although we have this problem, there is a solution. Transformation is possible. We don't have to be the same. We don't have to continue in our old ways. We can have something so much better. So much different. 
Lord, I pray that you will you'll speak to us this week. And I pray that you'll speak through our life group leaders. We thank you so much for them. I pray that you'll, you'll speak through, through each of us um, that are sitting in life groups together. I pray that you'll speak straight to our hearts. And we may not even know what this voice is, what this, what this feeling is inside of us, but, but I pray that each person in here will know that's you speaking to us. Lord, there is hope. In a hopeless world, there is hope. In a world full of death, there is life. In a world full of darkness, there is light. In a world full of hatred, there is love. And we can experience it through you. Lord, I pray we'll do that this weekend. We love you, Lord. We thank you for loving us. In your name we pray. Everybody said, amen, amen.